This is episode 54 of the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I'm Carly Cade, and today I'm talking with Kat Chrysostom. Kat is a native of South Carolina with a lifelong passion for horses. After fracturing her neck in a riding accident, she channeled her passion, along with her newfound interest in health and wellness, into Benefab, a business specializing in wearable therapeutic products for horses and people. She is also committed to helping others overcome adversity and achieve their dreams and regularly gives talks. She is the author of the book Broken to Branded and lives in Ocala, Florida and still enjoys writing in her spare time. Now, let's get into the interview. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast, a podcast featuring interviews with equestrian authors who love all things horses and writing about them. In each episode, you'll hear inspirational stories from horse book authors, including writing advice and marketing tips to help you write your very own horse book. If you're an author, aspire to be an author, or simply love horse books, then you are in the right place. I'm your host, Carly Cade, and creative writing makes my spurs jingle. Welcome to the Equestrian Author Spotlight. Today, I am so excited to have fellow author Kat Christostom on the show with me today. Hi, Kat. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Carly. I'm so excited to be here. Kat and I met uh, in a in the podcast world. She actually just had me on her show. And we're going to talk a little bit about her podcast as we get into the interview. And now I'm returning, not the favor, but returning the gift because she has a very special story to share with us today. So, how I always love to start these interviews is talking to my guests about how their relationship with horses began. Can you talk to us a little bit about that, Kat? Horses have been in my life as long as I can remember, but my dad is actually a dentist and my mom has always loved horses. My dad kind of the same. And he was, he had a client who couldn't afford a full restoration on her smile. The client happened to be a Grand Prix dressage rider and had a horse who had just made it to pre-St. George and was not going to be her Grand Prix horse. So she made a barter with my dad um, that she would get a new smile if basically he would take the horse in, in trade. And my mom had been wanting a horse for a long time. We lived on a farm and we had basically everything to take care of horses. So that was the barter. And that was a huge surprise uh, for my mom. And so this horse, so we had no idea that it was a horse. And around the same time, I was a toddler um, and the Lion King was playing and everybody was talking about the Lion King. And it was like my new favorite movie. And so this huge surprise was coming. And all the kids, I was one of four. So I was the youngest. All the kids kept guessing like what it was. And for some reason I had it in my mind, like we were going to have a lion for for sure. (laughs) I still remember it so well. We were driving up the driveway and it's like, finally, the surprise is going to be here. And it turns out it's this beautiful Arabian. His name was Charisma. And uh, that was that afternoon. My mom was so excited. I was the only one with her. We saddled him up and she took me out in front of the saddle and we trail rode all over the farm for hours. That was my first ride. And really since then, it never stopped. Wow. How awesome. Well, that's an amazing story. So you had everything except the horse for having horses. That's amazing. Exactly. (laughs) And there's nothing like that first taste of horses. And and how blessed are you that you had a mom that loved horses that could kind of show you the way. And then Mm -hmm. as as you grew up, you continued riding and you actually 
were looking towards a Grand Prix career of your own. Is that right? Yeah, it was always a dream of mine. You know, I grew up, like I said, my father's a dentist and my mom is actually a RN, a registered nurse, and all of my siblings are in the medical field in some capacity. And so I sort of grew up with that. I had uncles who were pharmacists. And so I really was sort of destined for the medical field. I always loved horses and I always had a horse life and, and was, you know, really born with a natural talent, but also the ambition, you know, to, to do it. So I really wanted to be on that trajectory, but my family was very in favor of me having that as a hobby, you know, more than a career. So I was sort of pursuing both. I had that dream of that career. And then I also, you know, had the realization that I needed to, you know, go to school and do what my family wanted. And then everything changed really when, when I had my accident, which I know we're going to get into, but that's right. Actually, that, that's a perfect flow into this. And this is a difficult topic, but a near mm-hmm. fatal riding accident abruptly ended your promising career as a show jumper. Mm-hmm. And, and you wrote a book about confronting this challenge. Can you tell us mm-hmm. about your book, Broken to Branded? Yeah, absolutely. So really Broken to Branded is my story of, it's just really a story of reinventing myself you know, overcoming adversity, but more than that is like, was facing my fear, you know, head on and finding a way to overcome the adversity through finding opportunities. So really brief outline of the story. And of course, my book tells it in much greater detail, but I was studying pre-med. I was actually in my third year and took spring break to come down um, to Florida. And of course, like when everybody else is partying and doing their thing, I wanted, all I wanted to do was ride horses. So I came down and was riding a friend of a friend's horse and was walking back to the barn. And long story short, he stumbled and it left me. It actually, both of us broke our necks. I was temporarily paralyzed. The horse didn't end up making it. Yeah, I was told I would never ride again. I may never walk again. So I was put into a halo traction device and I was in that for three and a half months. And really during that time was, you know, my life was staying stagnant, but everybody else's life was moving on. Like my peers in school were, you know, progressing and life was just moving on. I had a lot of medical bills that were stacking up and it was just this whole idea of like, where do I go next? And it was a really dark time in my life because I um, lost you know, the ability to ride and I lost being the ability to really be around animals and be in nature. And that's always been such a huge part of my life. So really my book is about how I took that accident and reinvented myself and, you know, established a career outside of anything I ever thought I would be in. Mm-hmm. And that's amazing. We're going to, we're going to actually talk about what you, what you generated. So there is a bright mm-hmm. spot through all that difficulty that you face. And I'm so sorry. And, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so happy to hear you're still involved with horses because sometimes an accident like that can actually mm-hmm. create a whole lot of fear where you don't want to be involved with them anymore. So did you write this book after you recovered or was this part of your recovery as you were working through the challenges that you were facing right there? Did, you, did this get you through that or did you decide to take on the book after uh, you had recovered? It's such a good question. I, you know... So no, the answer to it is no, I actually recovered and then I wrote the book. But what I've, what I found in my journey to, you know, 
physically recovering was huge. And that was a, a massive part of my life and, you know, sort of the trajectory for the rest of my life. But I really underestimated the psychological impact and, and even the spiritual and emotional aspect of my accident. And so this book was, I, I wrote this book years after I had, you know, physically recovered. It took me about three years to regain full mobility and, and you know, feel like I, my strength was back you know, and not to walk out the door every day and wonder like, how am I going to feel today, you know, physically, but I think this book, and I didn't even realize it. Um, when I wrote it, I really wanted to share the story. You know, I, I really felt like people needed to hear the story. And I think a lot of people, you know, for me, I was physically paralyzed, but for a lot of people, they're paralyzed in their own mind. You know, they, they just feel stuck and stagnant and for that reason, I really wanted to write the book, mm -hmm. um, but I had no idea the emotional healing that would come from putting it all out on, you know, pages and, and really telling the story in its rawest form. Because mm -hmm. for me, talking about it is, um, especially those really changing moments are, is really difficult, but writing about it. And there were even some stories that until right before it went to, you know, be printed, I just said, you know what, I want to include everything. Like I don't want to hold back. And, you know, so I put everything in there and even me rereading it now, like I'll, you know, reread it and it'll make me emotional getting back into that. But it was such a healing process, putting those words onto the page. And good on you for taking that on and doing that. And and clearly this, this is something that can help others too. Not only did it help yourself, but it's available for, for others who may be, be stopped in so many different mm -hmm. ways. Uh, so who would you say would be like your audience for, for this, for this book? And is there like a, a message embedded in it that you hope readers will grasp? Yeah, for sure. I think that the message is that, even in the darkest times, light can be found. Mm. And it starts within ourselves. I think really that is the through line and that is the message. And when you know, I speak also, and that's, that is the main takeaway. Like I want people to know that there is always opportunity in adversity, mm. um, you know, and, and you have to learn to, to look for that opportunity. And sometimes life is dark. Like I've been there, you know, it's scary. It's, and, you know, people say, well, you need to change your mindset. And it's not that easy. You know, it's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot to that. And that's really why I wanted to tell the story in its rawest form, because it's relatable. Everybody's been there. Maybe they haven't had a tragic accident like that, but life gives us really difficult things to face, whatever it is, a divorce, an end of a relationship, uh, you know, having a, having a child, wh whatever it might be that puts you into that, you know, mindset. But the, the book is called Broken to Branded, but its um, subtitle is Surpass Your Fears, Find Your Purpose, and Take Control. And I really think that is what it's about. It's, you know, facing the fear, overcoming, you know, adversity, and then taking control of your life, finding your purpose, find what makes you tick. Yeah, that is so beautiful. What a beautiful message. And then I wanted to ask you, you mentioned the title, what does broken to branded mean to you? And like, how does it capture the heart of your memoir? It's a very interesting title. Yeah, I think it, it, it's a literal title for me. You know, I was physically broken. Really, my accident is what helped me found my company. And I, I have a brand of therapeutic clothing 
for animals and for people. So that is, you know, I went from being broken to having this brand and becoming, you know, branded and even personally, like the speaking and, you know, sharing of the story and becoming an author, like all of those things were branded around, you know, myself and who I am and, and really living in that authenticity of, of that. So it's a very literal title. I think for me, it's I just, you know, I went through so many different I, I wrote the book before, you know, I came up with a title and I just, I kept going back to that one because it just felt very real. Mm -hmm. and, I, and this is such a beautiful story too, because you went through something very deep and dark and human, and then you, mm -hmm. you generated something really incredible out of it, a speaking mm -hmm. career, a book. And now I'd love to talk about the business because you've mentioned that you're sort of in like the medical realm, and you've always loved horses. This is kind of a little bit of a marriage of those two sides of you. So let's let's talk about how all this led up to you starting your own business. You are the founder and owner of Benefab Products. Tell us about your business and your products. Sure. So um, when I had my accident and I was not regaining mobility, so I was taken out of the halo, um, was put into a hard neck collar. And was told that I would be in that for about six months, which then turned into 18 months. Mm. Um, and it was just this like never ending, it seemed, progression of am I so, so that people understand my spinal cord wasn't severed, it was severely bruised. Um, and they weren't sure what kind of damage, you know, but it was very inflamed and bruised. So I was in and out of paralysis. So, like, if I would lay down in specific positions, I would have no mobility versus, you know, different. So it was this like total fear of the unknown and, you know, always having a little bit of hope. And then that hope stripped away. And really, I was just desperate to find anything. And being from the Western medical side, we're treating just like everything and everything had a side effect. And then they were treating the side effect. And I was just totally dull and numb to really, it seemed like reality between the pain medications and I was on a morphine drip and digestive issues was just like one thing after another. So long story short, I um, really was pleading with a new neurosurgery group that I've been transferred to. And the neurologist um, in a really offhand way recommended red light therapy, which I don't know if you're familiar with that. Um, I was going to ask you, go ahead and explain what that is. I've heard of it, but for listeners, okay. listening in, they may, they may be interested to know exactly what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So red light therapy can come in all kinds of forms. There are saunas, there are solariums, there are boxes. Um, but basically red light in its, in its truest form, um, is, is a light that penetrates down to the deep tissue level. So it actually, science behind it is it excites the oxygen atoms within the water molecules. So it's helping like dilate capillaries, get everything moving, um, help significantly in reducing inflammation. Well, I didn't know any of that. I just knew that he had recommended red light therapy and being that I'm science, you know, natured and really into research. Um, when I sat in front of the light for the first time since the day of my accident, I was able to walk out unassisted. Oh, wow. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. I was, that's exactly what my, you know, my feedback on, I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I, but I lost mobility within about two and a half hours. So fast forward, I ended up purchasing a light of my own and used that in part of my rehabilitation process for about 18 months, every day, twice a day. And um, that's really what gave me my mobility back. But more than my mobility, it was like, wow, this is, this gave me my life back. Like I can re 
sort of reinvent myself now. Where do I want to go next? And by that point, going back to school was just like terribly daunting. And all of my, you know, I was in my third year when I had my accident. So all of my peers had already graduated. They were on to medical school. They were one of my really great friends. She wanted to be an optometrist. And she, I mean, it was like everybody had just moved on, you know? So going back, just did not feel right to me. Well, um, medical school is major, like a major, major undertaking. I mean, that's years yes. of, of schooling and then there's residencies and then, and then there's just, there's so much to medical school. So that after having gone through something like that, I'm sure you were saying to yourself, I need to start living like now, like what dreams right. I fulfill right now? I can only imagine. Exactly. Exactly. So I started, I kind of dove into research and understood the science behind what that red light therapy was doing. Mm -hmm. And um, in my research, I found a team in Asia of engineers that were working on perfecting a fabric that mimicked that therapy. Mm -hmm. And that is really what, I mean, really stumbling on that article is what changed everything. I actually went over um, to Asia and met with them and was uh, pretty much involved in the finalization of the, of the fabrics. And I took the fabric of, um, you know, a piece of it and it replaced my light. And I knew if it worked for me, it would work for anyone. And our first product was a scarf that, which was kind of um, selfishly <laughs> for my neck. Um, and then I just dove right into the equine products. And I thought this is a way that I can stay around horses be involved in the horse industry, you know, have my passion of medicine and helping people. It was just this beautiful collision of my passions. And um, that was the start of Benefab. So it stands for Beneficial Fabrics. So that's what we do. We have a full line now of horse, dog, and people products. That is amazing. So, so this red light therapy material how, mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about how it works, right? And I mean, obviously the red light's there and it mimics it, but mm -hmm. how does it work? And then how do people use it with their horses? Like how do people use it? And then how do people use it with their animals? That would be fantastic sure. to know. Yeah, sure. So that's actually the beauty of Benefab is that there are no plugs or lights or anything. So the fabric actually has a proprietary blend of minerals. They're permanently embedded so you can machine wash it and everything. But when you put it on to so the red light, it's actually an invisible ray of light on the electromagnetic spectrum. So you can't necessarily see it, but you can feel it. Like people will put on our gloves or something and they'll look at me and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, because you can feel it. Basically the way that it works is that our own body heat is what's stimulating the fabric. So when your body heat hits the fabric, it actually in turn is um, penetrating these uh, far infrared wave wavelengths. So it helps reduce inflammation, um, helps increase circulation. So our customer promise, whether it's for you or your animal, once you put on the, you know, whatever the piece of clothing that it is that you have for yourself or your animal is increased mobility and less pain in three weeks guaranteed. That is amazing. I want to buy your entire line. I'm going to put some <laughs> on my back or to put some on my horse. I mean, you know, so I imagine, you know, of course I'll link to your business in the show notes so people can check out your product selection, but I imagine for horses, you have like slink, like slinkies for their necks or, and perhaps yeah. blankets <laughs> and boots like, uh, or yeah. Yeah. All, like all, wraps. All Yep, all those things. So we have um, products for the pole, for the head, neck, um, the back, the legs, the hocks. I mean, really just about everywhere that, you know, every joint that you could think of, we, we cover. And, you know, a lot of horses are, I, I mean, I, I find for people, they are 
especially like in our tribe, I think this is the case. I know for you, like you're looking at your horses right now, (laughs) um, but we're very connected, you know, Mm -hmm. to our animals and we can sense when their behavior is off. And a lot of times behavior is directly correlated with um, pain, Mm -hmm. you know? And so if we can address that pain without having a massive vet bill and you know, avoiding that, it, it really, it really works in favor. And so I think, I think that there is that direct correlation. And that's one of the beauties with Benefab is that I've been able to see those transformations, you know, not in just getting people and animals to a pain-free place, but also getting them to, you know, better behavior because of that with eliminating. That is incredible. Like I, I have goosebumps because what I really love about this story is there for humans and for our animals, there are alternative ways to treat some of the things that are going on with our bodies. Right. You know, and I I love this story because it it is that, I mean, you were going through Mm -hmm. tons of pharmaceuticals and you were on tons of medications and you were Mm -hmm. working with different teams and you stayed in it and you educated yourself and you talked to doctors and you look for different ways to do this. And then all of a sudden you found the thing that worked for you uh, and it's the same with horses. I mean, it's very easy to give them all sorts of medications, which are expensive, mm. but they're all, you know, and I love that alternative medicine is kind of starting to really show up and be accepted, yes. right? Because there yeah. are alternatives. Oh, absolutely. And integrative medicine. I mean, mm-hmm. finally, and that's what I think even my family has learned through this too, is that we, Western medicine is amazing for treating symptoms. I mean, thank God we have it. Otherwise, you know, for acute injuries or people in hospitals, they wouldn't make it a lot of the times if we didn't have it. But what it doesn't treat is the cause. So Mm -hmm. when we can take Eastern medicine and treat the cause and use the Western to alleviate the immediate symptoms, then you have integrative healthcare. And it's incredible what we can accomplish, um, you know, without just going to one side or the other side, you know, being able to mirror. And we work with a lot of veterinarians, um, mm-hmm. you know, across the country. And they, you know, that that's the beauty of it. You can inject something, but then prolong that injection with using this, you know, natural healthcare and holistic approach. And it just makes everything, I mean, really it's just approaching, it's approaching every situation in totality rather than just looking at one, you know, funnel, real small pinpoint. I love that. I love that integration way of looking at things. It's like, let's treat everything. You know, there's the pain, but then there's the cause. And then there's, you know, like a sore swollen foot could actually stem from pain in the withers. You know, it's like, so that everything Absolutely. is connected in a different way. So it's not just looking directly at what where it is, but what's the source of it and working yes. in different ways to treat that. I love I love that. And I love that this is like a miracle story. I just, I love that you're mm-hmm. sharing this message because you took something very, very difficult, like no human. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine how anyone can manage out of that. But then you took Mm -hmm. something and you took two of your passions and you combined them and you created your Mm -hmm. own company and you're having amazing success. And I'd really like to talk to you about your speaking career. Like, Mm -hmm. and you've you've spun this into being an author. You've spun it into having a successful business that helps Mm -hmm. people and animals. And now you're speaking on topics. Can you talk a little bit about your speaking engagements, like where you speak, what you talk on? Sure, absolutely. So I um, keynote, and really the key—I mean, the keynote—is that light can be found even in the darkest times. Mm-hmm. And I think 
you know, for me, I speak at community groups and I've spoken at schools and colleges. I'd like to grow that more into corporate. And I've, I've spoken at prisons, at leadership conferences. I mean, really like at youth leadership, at adult leadership, a lot of women's conferences. So I can kind of, you know, the, the neat thing about this story is that anyone can benefit from it. But one of the biggest things that I think people, when they hear my story, like in a nutshell, it's kind of like, oh, well, good for her. She reckon, you know, it's just, it was like this light bulb moment and, you know, here she is doing this. But I think it's, it's so much more than that. You know, it was recognizing the opportunities. I could have, you know, stumbled across that article and just hit the back button and, and like, oh, I mean, I could be sitting here talking to you today or have never met you because of this, but I could have just said, you know, oh yeah, I think years ago I saw somebody had a fabric about it. You know, it was no, like I, I reached out to him. I got on a plane. I went there. Like I was hungry for it, you know, and mm -hmm. I was, I kept trying to, to recognize those opportunities. And I think that's what so many people don't do is that they just get into almost like a self-victimizing mode, you know, and they just don't get out of that because they can't recognize the opportunities. So yeah, for the speaking career, I mean, it's something I'm really passionate about and animals have led me down this path for sure. They've been a huge part of you know my journey. And so a lot of um, when I speak, you know, I talk about creativity and imagination and connection and you know, overcoming adversity and recognizing those opportunities and how animals have helped me to do those things. So animals are a huge part of, of my speaking and of my new podcast too. And so, you know, that's, it's just a huge part of the story. So a lot of, a lot of the speaking, um, talk, you know, I talk about that. You don't have to be an animal lover to appreciate it, but I think mm -hmm. a lot of people walk away thinking like, wow, I want to spend more time around my dog today or, <laughs> You know, I want to go hug my horse if I have one. So. <laughs> Absolutely. And and I, I love how you mentioned looking for those opportunities because the universe, I truly believe, it dangles opportunities in front of us all the time. And you have to be, like you said, forward looking enough to notice them because they're all over and rather than mm -hmm. being inside yourself and defensive and victimized yes. and not open to those those dangling moments and I, and I do believe that animals actually teach us to be outside of ourselves and I think mm -hmm. it, sometimes for animal lovers it's easier to notice those things because we are mm -hmm. constantly with them and like outside sure. of ourselves so I think it's really fabulous and then I wanted to ask as as an author do you offer a discount for bulk sales for your books to give to the people that come to your keynotes and speaking engagements because that is a good way to make money <laughs> yeah no it is a really good so I have I've sold books from the stage afterwards I've never done that I think for corporate events that would be mm -hmm. that would be a fabulous thing to do um yeah so I haven't actually done that but as far as like selling them from the stage after the speaking engagements I've done yeah um, that, which is brilliant that's so smart and then uh, I wanted to ask you about your podcast. So talk to us about your podcast because uh, it's very inspirational and there's a great story behind why you started it. So share a little, like the name of your podcast and a little bit about what listeners can find there. Sure. So this is actually the perfect transition with the animals that we were just talking about. Um, so earlier on when I had mentioned that um, writing the book helped like emotionally heal I think part of that process was getting back into horses. And, you know, I really thought when I got back into horses, it was just going to be like, I was going to get on and everything was going to be the exact same. <laughs> and it broke my heart, honestly, because it was, 
so far from the same. I mean, it was like, I was just petrified and I had horrible nightmares about it. And I just felt like I pushed, I tried to push through it. And then I just thought, you know what, this is just not working. And so I totally hung up my hat from riding. And that was for almost three years that I didn't get on a horse. I didn't, I mean, I didn't even want to look at horses, but it wasn't because I I loved horses. I never stopped loving horses, but it was because it hurt so badly, you know, to be, to be around them. I mean, it even like now, it, even thinking about that makes me, you know, feel emotional. But so a horse came into my life. I bought him as an investment, actually. So I was not wanting to ride. And um, the trainer ended up uh, in a nutshell. And on my episode one, I tell all about this horse. But, um, but basically, the trainer just ended up saying like, look, this horse is dangerous. I wouldn't have my wife, my daughter ride it. Like he's just not, you know, and this trainer who sold him to me. So I was like, Oh my gosh, we have to go to plan B. Because what am I going to do? Like, I can't take this horse back. And I was really, I I was upset at him. But more so than that, I just felt frustrated with the whole situation. So I sent him to the next trainer, surprise, surprise, he said the same thing. So I took the horse back. And he was like, I really I turned him out, I just let him re-naturalize in a herd of 13 geldings. And it was like, something within me just kept, kept being pulled towards this horse. And I think that it was because I could relate to him. Like I understood what it felt like not to fit the mold and to not be understood and to have gone through. I mean, he was scared to death. This horse was just on the defensive all the time. Mm. So I let him re-naturalize and I basically acted like he had never been touched by a human. And I just started from the ground and we did so much groundwork together and had a ton of fun. Like I had really never been introduced to natural horsemanship at that point, but it was natural horsemanship Mm -hmm. is what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And I, it was just all self-taught. I was reading a lot of books. He really, and now I, I ride him every day and oh my gosh, he's, he's awesome. So his name is Para. And he has taught me so many things. And every time I go out with my friends, every time I go to dinner with somebody, I'm always talking about, you know, oh, today Para did this and it taught me that or whatever it is, you know. And and so I just decided, let me, I want to share this with people. And so I talk a lot about him on my podcast and really like I brought you on about creativity, just talk about how I get creative with para. And so it's really a podcast. It's called parables, life lessons from a horse (laughs) and um, parables obviously is a play on words there, but it's really just life lessons from, from para, what he's taught me. And and sometimes I talk about my dog a little bit, but it's all about animals and what animals can teach us Um, and just small lessons. And I interview guest experts like yourself. Sometimes it's just me talking. I review animal books. I mean, it's just a lot of, it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's lovely. And, 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 and thank you for having me, I guess, on the show. And I love yeah. this topic, you know, horses and animals can teach us so much and, and it's a great podcast. And I'll link to that in the show notes so people can listen to your show too. And you've had other like really amazing guests too, like Pat Pirelli was on the show and, you know, mm-hmm. you, you, you talk, you have connections with some pretty amazing people and your horse is amazing. And I truly believe that humans, animals, opportunities, books, even 
show up in our lives when we need them. And if we're wise enough to reach out and grab them, they're there. So good on you for sticking with para, Mm. because Mm. I imagine having come off of an accident with a horse, being with a horse that was so afraid was probably pretty scary for you at first. Mm. And you recognize there's something there for you. And and now Mm. he's the subject of your podcast. How cool is that? (laughs) I know, I know, I know. And just the transformation, it's, it's, it's really cool. Yeah. yeah, that is so amazing. You know, I wanted to ask you, I mean, you are doing it. You are a speaker, you're an author, you're a podcaster, mm-hmm. you have a successful business, you've recovered from something massively tragic in your life. Mm-hmm. Do you have any advice for aspiring authors who want to write a book or and, or and what would you say to aspiring entrepreneurs? Like what kind of advice would you offer to people that want to maybe follow in in the, f- the footsteps that you've laid out? Sure. <clears throat> Oh my gosh. It, this a is a broad one. question. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say first and foremost, be strategic. Mm. You know, um, I think be strategic. Um, don't get married to your plans, but you know, we, I think you really have to be, uh, strategic in your thinking and in your actions. You can waste a lot of money. If you're not, you can waste a lot of time if you're not. And don't compare yourself with other people, but learn from other successful people. I know for me, like in my first couple of years, I just kept comparing myself to other speakers, other competition. And it's, you know, this is about you. Like you're unique, you're authentic to you and you can not, you'll never be somebody else authentically. So that would be one of my number one things. And I think, you know, just learning from others and surrounding yourself, like you just said, well, you really, to, to me, you know, you're connected with some pretty great people and those people are very willing to share, but you have to be willing to listen, you mm. know? And I, I think really surrounding yourself, John Maxwell says like surround yourself with other successful people and learn from them. And that's like one of his number one out of his 13 principles, you know, that's number one or number two, something, um, but it's really high up there. And I think that that's, that's definitely worth taking away. Absolutely. That is fantastic advice. You know, uh, be authentic to yourself because you have your own unique voice. You will never be anybody else. And that's great advice. But also what you're speaking to is building community and partnerships and learning from others, but also giving back to that community, you know, which is while you're here today, you know, it's like, because you're part of our author community and you're sharing your knowledge with us and thank you for that gift, Mm. but super advice. I love that. So, you know, how, what, this is an, this is kind of a, big question too. Like, how do you reach, you've already talked about your speaking engagements, but like online, how do you reach like clients for your business? And then also readers for your books Do you do anything special that authors listening in might learn from? Yeah, I, I mean, for me, speaking is a huge part of it. And I mean, my book is sold online and on Amazon. Um, but for the most part, I mean, for me, the book is, I guess I'm unique in the sense as an author that I didn't, you know, I'm not an author and then um, other things. Like for me, I'm an entrepreneur and a business owner. And because of that, you know, I authored the book and, Mm -hmm. and I speak, but I would say more so than anything, I'm an entrepreneur than a speaker than an author, you know? So for me, it's a little bit different because that's not my, my sole focus It is not the book, but 
I definitely think speaking is an excellent way, um, you know, to, to share your story and really to build a community, like you just said. And community is, is huge. And, and building, everyone has their tribe, um, or if they don't, they should have their tribe. Um, you know, and that tribe is willing to give you feedback and willing to support you. And, you know, they want to share what you have and, and they want to learn from your knowledge. So I think building that community and however you, you know, your unique and authentic self can do that is really important, whether it's through speaking, social media, you know, online, whatever it might be. But I think building that community. That's such smart advice and, and, and a great thing to share with people because none of us are successful without the people who support mm-hmm. our endeavors, right? You know, I, you know, if I don't have readers for my book, what's the point? You know, it's like what we're right. creating is for them. Like the product you're creating is for the health of others and their animals and you're putting that into the world and fried you with health. But without other people using your product products and benefiting, mm-hmm. there is no point. So that is your community. So we are nothing without our communities or our readers, yes. essentially. <laughs> yep. I always like to ask these questions too, because the perspective is always different depending on who I'm interviewing. So for you, what has been the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? But then on the flip side, I'm sure there's a lot of best parts, but but what's what's been the best part for you about being an entrepreneur? So I think the, let's get like, I think bad news before good news, right? Always, <laughs> with the always. Yeah, yeah, okay. I mean, I think that the hardest part, I mean, for me, I really love what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I wake up every day and I'm excited. So, so for me, this is like, I am living in my authentic self. I love it. But you are, well, for one, you're your own worst critic. So sometimes I think that we can get on our own heads about things. And the other is the buck stops with you. Mm-hmm. And like, I know for me, I have employees, I have families, I have, they have babies, they have health insurance. Like I am responsible and I take that responsibility really seriously. So at the end of the day, you know, me having to give up things that I would want in order to support those people, you know, sometimes that can be, it, it, it's a, it's not a burden in a bad way, but it's a weight um, that I tend to take very seriously. And so that can weigh down. So I would say that's probably the hardest part is knowing that the buck stops with me and I am ultimately the decision maker and, you know, the one who's signing the checks. And um, so that part of it can be difficult. But the best part is that, you know, you, for me, like I can create my unique brand and really live authentically in my voice. I don't have to report back to anybody. I love to use my team and I really believe in tribal leadership and creating a culture and a great environment. So that's, that's a lot of fun because we can utilize each other, but it's kind of, it's actually a little bit of a double-edged sword because it's like, you're, you know, I'm able to create my brand, but the buck stops with me. So it's like, Hey, which way do you want to look at this? (laughs) You know, one way or another, but I would say that's the best part is being able to, you know, create a great culture and, and really live what I want to live, not underneath, you know, some, somebody else. That's Amazing. And, and so I'm so happy for you and so excited for you. Mm -hmm. And it's authentic and it doesn't feel like we're, I mean, there's a lot of responsibility, but when you love Mm -hmm. what you do, 
you want to do it and you get up every day. And, and that's my wish for every human being on the planet to like be in love with their life, love what they do. Yes. And I love talking with people like you, Kat, who have created that for themselves because it is so mm. very possible. So mm. thank you for sharing your wisdom with us and telling us about that. So I have to know what's next. What are you curious about? What are you thinking about? Where are you heading? Oh my gosh. I would say, I mean, the podcast is super exciting. So that's great. I would say corporate speaking, COVID kind of threw a wrench into that um, this year, but I think by next year we'll be back on track. That's really exciting. And I mean, really just building this, this business, you know, I think uh, somebody, and I'm trying to think who said it, but it wasn't Mark Twain, but anyway, um, somebody said the greatest warriors of all time are patience and time. Hmm. And I think that um, for me, I've been very patient. I've lost my patience a lot of times too. You know, I, especially in this last year, I've been, I've had um, great people surrounding me and um, a fabulous business partner and just being able to sit and, and just be patient and see what time will do. And this year has been the answer, you know, to that. And so now I feel like, okay, like we're really on this awesome trajectory and being able to continue to build my team and, you know, help more horses, help more dogs, help more people. Up until this year, I've been so behind the scenes, like working so hard to build the business that it's been kind of hard for me to be out on the front lines. One of my favorite things in the world is talking to our customers, you know, hearing their stories and, and, you know, everybody has a story that's, that they feel like is relatable. And it is, you know, a lot of times it's just like, I love hearing about those transformations. So that's, I think now I'm finally at a point where I can do that and I can fill that role. So that, I think that's where we're headed. And I love, I love the quote about patience and time. That makes a whole lot of sense and a whole lot of persistence, right? So, yes. <laughs> so I just wanted to ask really quickly too. I mean, it sounds like such big things are on the horizon for you, mm -hmm. but as the, an entrepreneur who created a startup business, how long did it take you to build? Because the behind the scenes building is very significant when you're building a mm. business. Like I really mm. get that. How long did it take you to build your startup company before you felt like you could come out from behind the scenes and really start, you had everything kind of set and really start being mm. out with, with your customers in the community and, and growing mm. that way through who you are? Right. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever watched Amy Cuddy's TED Talk where she talks about fake it till you become it. I love that TED Talk. I'll link to it. In the I show notes. do. It's the, best. the best. And if you haven't read her book, Present. I have. I was just going to say, you've got to read Present. So good. The it's book so good. I will also link to that in the show notes. So oh good. Oh my gosh. It's amazing. So some people might hear this answer and be like, what? She was in front of the scenes, you know, long before this, but that's the whole fake it till you become it. So I will preface it with that, but I would say five years. Okay. Is to, to me, it's five years because I think that, I mean, there's so much you know, mm -hmm. that goes into building a business and the business needs you, you mm -hmm. know, and if you're not super close to it and, you know, doing what you need to do then, or, you know, maybe, maybe you're leading from behind, but you better have some really good people out in front that you trust. Um, and some people get lucky and they, and they are able to do that, but very few, you know, and, and I think that luck is preparedness meets opportunity. You know, I mean, you can't be uh, ill prepared and have an opportunity and think that, you know, you're going to be gonna able work. to seize it. Right. Yeah, exactly. And you can't be prepared and have no opportunities. And so that's really, 
you know, luck. And I think a lot of people say, oh, well, she just got lucky. No, no, those people worked really hard and they were prepared and they were presented with an opportunity and they took it, you know? Mm. So I think, I think that's the biggest thing is be patient. Um, you know, know that time will tell and be prepared because you never know when something is going to cross your path. That is such perfect advice for anyone in Mm -hmm. any situation, Mm -hmm. whether you're an author, a business owner, a work opportunity, a new career shift, the perfect horse. I mean, that just works kind of everywhere. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing that with us. Kat, I have so enjoyed having you on the show today. You have shared such an amazing wealth of information with uh, me and and my listeners. Would you share where people can find you? your books, your business, uh, and learn more about what you're doing out there in the world? Of course. Yes. And this has been fantastic, Carly. You're awesome. (laughs) I've loved every second of this. So my uh, business website is benefabproducts.com and it's benefab like beneficial fabric. So B-E-N-E-F-A-B products.com. There's a lot of, um, actually our podcast is on there. If you want to learn about my speaking engagements, it's just my name, catchrysostom.com. We're on social media under Benefab, pretty much on all of the platforms. Um, So anywhere anybody wants to find us and listen. And then on Apple, Spotify, and Stitcher is Parables Life Lessons from a Horse. So if you just Google my name or Benefab, a lot of that stuff is going to pop up. Uh, so you don't have to remember all of it, but I do, I, I really, if you've enjoyed this interview, I think people will really enjoy the podcast. Absolutely. And Kat is a fabulous host. She asks great questions. She tells wonderful <laughs> stories and horses are involved, but you don't have to be a horse lover to check out our podcast either. And just so you don't have to remember all those places Kat just said, I will include links uh, in the show notes so everybody can get straight to you, to all those places you mentioned. And Kat, I wish you nothing but continued success. And thank you so much for the gift of your time today. I've really enjoyed having you on the show. Oh my gosh, you are great, Carly. And same to you. I can't wait to see all that you accomplish and read all of your books. (laughs) Thank you. See, authors unite. That's what this is all about. I love meeting wonderful people like you. And you came to me like a gift from the universe. And that's how it worked out. And now look at we're building a relationship. And I think we're going to have fun times together in the future. (laughs) I do too. I do too. Thank you so much for having me on. Thanks for joining us this week on the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. I hope you enjoy these Q&A sessions with wonderful equine authors who love all things horses and riding, just like me. Visit my website, carlycadecreative.com, where you can read the show notes. And make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you so much for your support. Want a free guide to secrets of horse book authors? Gallop over to carlycadecreative.com forward slash wisdom to have author advice delivered instantly to your inbox. If you are an author who writes about horses and would like to be spotlighted, please let me know. Visit my contact page at carlycadecreative.com to fill out a request. I'd be happy to have you on the show too. Thank you for tuning in to the Equestrian Author Spotlight Podcast. See you next time. I'm your host, Carly Cade. Creative writing makes my spurs jingle.